Welcome to the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. Soul is a production of Through the Word. That's the intro. Time for the show. So let's get to it. You've got to hear this story. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. I'm Chris Langham, your host. With me again, Brad Hornback. Right here. Welcome back. Hey, thanks. Brad, what do you think of this series so far? I think it's it's going amazing. These stories are, are blowing my mind, and just the, the impact for, for the Lord's glory is, is powerful. Yeah. We're talking life on mission. We're talking missionaries overseas and missionaries back home. With us once again, Jonathan Ferguson is back. Welcome back, Jonathan. Thank you. You, you shrunk. There used to be another one. Yes, yeah, there, uh, it's just me on this on this episode. All right, Jonathan, welcome back. Adrian, we miss you on this one. Yes, we do. But uh, we wish. We, could she have stayed and he left? That's all right, never mind, never mind, never mind. Stay with us, all Jonathan. Right. Okay, with us. okay. All right, Ryan Woodburn is with us once again. Ryan, welcome back to the studio. Thank you. Good to be back with you. All right, and uh, and Ryan does does work locally. Jonathan did work on the other side of the world, Nairobi, Kenya, now back serving missions as missions pastor at... Refuge, Huntington Beach. I almost said Refuge, Long Beach. I confused refuges. <laughs> and uh, and speaking of refuge, ironically, we're we're actually talking about refugees. The, mm. And uh, and Ryan, that's uh, that's right up your alley. Ryan, you work with refugees locally. What's the the name of the ministry again that you work with? We work with Novo. With Novo, and you're working in an area of refugees, and you've moved your family there. This episode, now we we've told those stories. Anybody at home, if you missed those stories, go back. Rewind the tape. Listen to the, to the previous episodes. But today, we want to dig into the issues of immigration and refugees. Two different things, not quite the same thing. Jonathan actually reminded me to, to point out the difference. What's the difference between an immigrant and a refugee? Uh, an immigrant can be anybody who's moving from one country into uh, to another. It can be for economic reasons, religious reasons, political reasons. It could be for a lot of different things. A refugee is somebody who is leaving their homeland because there is a actual danger to them if they stay uh, due to either persecution or um, it can be a even a natural disaster that, that their home has been destroyed. There's no way that they can go back. So there's a difference between the reason that they are in uh, the country that they're moving to. Yeah, Refugee is somebody who's in the situation where as I read the news and I read what's going on somewhere, I think to myself, I would just leave. I would just... I would just go somewhere else. I don't know what that means. I would just go somewhere else. Well, that's that's exactly what people do. You just got to get up and to protect your family. There is no safe place locally. You've got to go somewhere else. But we all know from news recently that it's not as simple as that. No, it's not. You're running out of places to go. Now, you did ministry in Kenya. Was that were there refugees for it to, in in Kenya as well? Well, when you look at the countries that surround uh, Kenya, you've got Somalia, Ethiopia, mm-hmm. Sudan, and South Sudan, Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, and Congo, um, all of which had um, either civil wars or ethnic violence or major natural disasters all and famines. All of them. All Tanzania of them. was the only bordering country. And the only country in the region that did not go through a major political upheaval or, or of something. So Kenya was actually uh, a, a, a relatively safe. And for a while, it actually held the world's largest refugee camp, the Dob refugee camp, with 330,000 refugees, plus all the support staff that goes along with running a camp wow. of a third of a million people. So it, wow. they, there was a lot of refugees there. We had refugees in our church from different countries. Um, and so, yeah, th- there was a lot in, in, in Kenya. And that was just simply part of the ministry because that was part of life there. 
Now, uh, Soul Podcast, we got some issues we're going to talk about, political issues, how do Christians respond to these issues, and what about the issues of refugees who might be coming here who maybe they want to evangelize to, to their religion? Gets a little bit messy, but the Soul Podcast always begins with story. So as we, uh, as we begin with story, Ryan, you're working with refugees all the time. Tell, me, tell us a story about refugees. Bring us into to their world. It, introduce us to a family and, and what's brought them here and what situation do you find them in? So one family that comes to mind is <clears throat> a family of five with a, a son who was born with various complications and was a form of MS, maybe some sort of handicap and was debilitated from, from birth. So the medical treatment he had received in Syria was was adequate enough where he has X amount of kilograms and then... And that's homeland. They're, 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 in, their, in their homeland in Syria. And the, the family just built a house. The dad had worked on that, had spent um, probably a life savings or even an inheritance. And so uh, a missile ended up bombing the corner of their house from the war. They ended up fleeing to Jordan, and their their son, who had a lot of complications and high medical needs, was removed from the regular medical treatments that were sustaining him and even helping him grow mm. um, and receive the right treatment. So when they went to Jordan, it became more survival. And for a few years, like he was living on bread and water, and and he wasn't able to get the right medical treatment. So. He was, if he was at an average percentile in weight and height, um, he had decreased as he got older. Instead of growing, he was getting smaller, thinner. So by the time we met him, um, this is just another family of five that just is trying to live in peace and have some normalcy, work a job, be happy, give their kids a future, just like just like most families would love to have and take for granted. And so he, um, when we saw him, we looked at him and asked if they'd even in their first week in America, they'd only been here a week or two. And they said that they, um, had never taken him to a doctor yet. And by the time he got to chalk, they said really his malnourishment was getting to the point where it, it could have been like days or weeks before he could have, um, lost his life, you know? And so, it's just one situation to paint a picture of, imagine that's your son, mm-hmm. your family <clears throat> in that situation and how, how desperate and and um, traumatized that, that, that they've been through the cir- circumstances. Mm. Yeah, the desperation of a father in a situation that I cannot provide safety for my family or just basic necessities, the, the drive, like the drive I feel as a dad to just provide for my family and you know it, having done mission work I, I've been in the situation of, of getting to the place where I can't provide financially for my family it just wasn't there it just wasn't coming together and, and feeling pressed beyond and, and for me leaning on, on the Lord in, in that time but there's no feeling like that but I it's beyond my imagination to, to understand what it's like to, to not be in a safe place and I just think I would just go I would just go, well, that's where refugees are. Well, we, we want to step into that, and it's going to bring up and some messy issues 
So uh, so before we jump into that, Brad, remind us of our ground rules. Yes, the messy issues. We need to respect the stories. I mean, the one we just heard, the many more that we're going to hear, we need to respect them. Humility uh, before wisdom. We need to come with a humble heart. Mm-hmm. Grace always. I love to say it twice. Grace always. Mm-hmm. And then God has the last word. God speak into this. Speak through this. Amen. Well, let's dive in. Let's let's talk about refugees. Let's let's get some stories. And refugees is going to bring us to a crossroads of politics and church and basic human needs. And there is there, there's no simple easy answer. In the same way that there's there's no easy answer for for the family for for the dad who says I've got to protect my family. Let's just go somewhere. There is no somewhere that's just an easy place. Oh yeah, we'll just. We'll just hang out at Cousin Mary's house and everything will, will be, be great. When you're leaving war, it's a mess and it's falling apart. In the same way, there, there's also no easy answer for the countries that are taking them in. And America is one of those, but there are many others who are facing that need. But we want to focus specifically on the response of church. Where does church step into this? So I want to ask you guys, take us to take us to this crossroad where, where refugees, politics, and, and church collide. What is that, that place? Where, where does that look like? And Ryan, I'll I'll uh, I'll bring that to you first. Being uh, being somebody seeing refugees, where is uh, bring us to to where the the refugees are, and where ch- where does church come into that? Now you, you brought us to to this family in need, but where does the the local church who's in that neighborhood or in that that location, where does the church meet that need? So I think there's in in the way that their son, you know, getting to visit them in the hospital and and see how they're doing and. There's all those emotional needs, relational, social needs. A, a local church in that in that picture could come alongside to be a support system. So what if what if they got to visit them once a week in the hospital um, or provide assistance for the mom to go see her son as they're trying to get him from the verge of ending, like life being over for him to being nourished again, like in the children's hospital. So a, a local church could really slot right into their life and be a comforting, welcoming, and uh, Christ-loving presence to them, in that situation at least. Yeah. And the local church just being church, like the kind of things that the church does that, uh, you know, moms bring meals. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when you had a pregnant lady and when they give the baby, there's a lot of churches just have a, uh, a meals ministry. And, and I think that, you know, the meal makes a big difference, but a lot of times that meal also comes with a, with a visit, right? Mm-hmm. And that comes with connection. Well, for a refugee who has none of that, who doesn't have connection support system, yeah. local church coming and just being a support system, not solving all their problems. You know, one meal doesn't solve all, all their problems, but, but just being a support system because that's a big part of what's been taken away. Mm-hmm. What are the ways have you seen uh, church, uh, just being church and being something for refugees? I think what you brought up about even bringing a meal or those kind of uh, things of, of visitation, most of uh, the people who are refugees are coming from countries where they're much more uh, community-based. Uh, it's They're not uh, individualistic cultures. They're communal cultures. And so when you're now in a place that, that isn't, doesn't have that uh, as, as a key aspect of its culture, like the United States, we're very individualistic. You, you've now changed everything. You've not only have lost your home, but you're losing your identity, your culture, everything. And so when the church is able to come and be that, to fill in and to continually check in on on them. And, and again, not just the meal, but it's taking that, that could be that first step to building a friendship, building a relationship that can 
uh, where you can step in and be that community for for the refugees um, is a huge step in in showing the love of Christ and being able to to share the share the gospel with them. But like you said, it's if the church does the things that the church is supposed to do, it's going to do them for both the native born from our own country and the refugees. Amen. So let me, can I jump in real quick? Ryan, well, I would ask you this, you know, and obviously money, I mean, we all know money, money shouldn't drive anything, but at the same time it can be needed. Right. But for these refugees coming in, even though they're coming in with, with nothing or very little, what would you say is more important? Is it, is it money to help them or is it the time? I know there's a little of both, mm-hmm. but which one would be more important, the time spent with them or the money? I would say mostly that time would would probably be the most beneficial because, you know, like refugees, yes, they have mouths, but they also have hands, they have hearts, they have brains. And I think a lot of people see them as they're coming to take. But a lot of times the immigrants and refugees give back more than what's been given to them Mm -hmm. and become very productive in various ways. I think time spent investing in them, loving them, listening to them, being a presence in their life is far greater than any dollars. And if your time with them allows them to start to get back, get onto a road to healing, coming to know Jesus and also all the mental trauma and things, and they come to a healthier place in life, I don't think money will be the problem. So I think that like Jesus modeled that time and investing yourself is far greater than the money. And I had read uh, recently that second generation uh, of, of immigrant children, you know, the children that come in either as, as little children or who are born right after, they've got higher rates of entrepreneurship and, and job creation um, and wealth creation, really, than, um, than children who are born in America to American citizens. So the contribution. Yeah, it, it, it's, they may have an initial period where they, they do need more assistance. But that second generation tends to be more productive than even uh, the, 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 the native-born Americans are. Yeah, when you're talking about the political argument, a big issue is the concern about takers. Concern about takers who mm-hmm. are, are draining on society that if we bring in immigrants, there's just a, a matter of taking. But always there, there's an element in any society of givers and takers, those who are creating jobs and those who are a uh, just a, a pull on the society. But... In terms of church being involved, under there's an essential to understand that one of the basic human needs that people have is dignity, an mm-hmm. opportunity to to work, and this is foundationally biblical, as God God gave work as a gift to to mankind. So the question is not going and providing all of their physical needs so that they can become takers. It's really giving somebody an opportunity to to be human in having community, but also in having opportunity to give back. And one of the one of the really transformational mission trips for me was actually uh, I think it was the first one that you and I were on together, Jonathan. We went down a, on a trip into Mexico, and I remember going down with a, an attitude that sadly is a typical American attitude, and I had it, which is we came to give, give, give. We we're the you know mm-hmm. I look around and I see poverty, so we need to be giving. And we were working with a local church, and I remember when when my attitude changed when when it was this it was this transformation happened to me when the church wanted to give to us and they wanted to, they want to be hospitable. They want to cook for us. Like, no, no, we came to serve. We came to work. You know, the, and the pastor was just sit down, just sit down mm-hmm. and enjoy a meal with us. And they were giving so much. And that was the, the first step in a transformation for me to see 
wait, these are humans. These aren't these aren't leeches that are that just want to take everything. These are humans that want to give, that want to show hospitality, that want the opportunity to show love to others. And that wasn't a refugee situation, but it was a human situation. Yeah. And and that's part of when, as Christians, as we step in, we need to recognize other people as humans, whether they're Christian or Muslim or, or Hindu or wherever they're at, whatever culture they're coming from. We need to see them holistically. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to I want to challenge us here as uh, as Christians uh, as we move forward in this. How uh, for for you, Jonathan, talking about seeing things differently. Mm-hmm. You spent time in Kenya. Mm-hmm. You were the foreigner for yeah. seven years. You were the outsider being welcomed <laughs> in. How did that change your view of seeing foreigners? Because isn't that the verse in Exodus that, that says, "You know what it's like to be the outsider, so don't mistreat the outsider." So now, having come back. How did that time being the foreigner affect how you see the foreigners here? Yeah, I I had an ID card that I had to carry with me at all times that said alien on it. I was an alien. It says <laughs> I knew alien. it. I knew it. I know. I, I knew know. it. Brad, Take yeah. off the mask. This is why working in junior high as well as missions, it hey, fits. Don't let all my secrets I'm, out there. Okay. Never mind. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I understand what it's like to to be in another culture, to have to adapt mm. to uh, to radical changes like that, to have to learn a new language. To have to learn how to uh, handle uh, driving in a different way, how to handle the grocery stores, banking, all of those situations. So when I'm here and I hear people use that phrase of, you know, speak English, you're in America. Mm. Um, I immediately want to, to, to jump up and defend and be like, how many languages have you learned as an adult? You might learn a second language as a child, but have you learned more languages? Because it's very difficult. I've had to learn and it's hard to do. Very difficult. And so... Um, with all of those things, yeah, it, it, it really did make it even more, I think, I, th- I think we already had a compassion for them, but I think it gave us an, an, an understanding as well as a compassion. Yeah. And that's called, that's the, that's the biblical call to, to have the compassion. And did, uh, did the people of Kenya receive you well? For the most part, yes, for the most part, but there were some that saw us as a opportunity to take advantage of us. Because we were white, um, we were taken advantage of. There was different pricing for us than there was for somebody in Kenya. And so it was, yeah, there was, but then there was, a, for every person that did that, there was, you know, 20 people that fully accepted us. Hmm. Well, to, to mix things up a little bit, I want to move into our, our I want to talk about what works and what doesn't. But first, I'm going to throw us into the throwdown because we can get engaged either Personally, and that's mostly what we've talked about so far, but this is also a very political issue, and politics do make a difference. And as believers, we can get politically involved, and uh, and that there's a, there's that, that's going to bring up a mess of questions in itself. On which side do we get politically involved? But politics makes a difference for refugees. The 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 laws in a country mm-hmm. on whether they allow or don't allow refugees to come in, and what gets provided for refugees. Politics makes a difference. Politics is, is getting involved politically can be a way to prevent people from being oppressed. So how do we get involved biblically? So uh, and biblically, what's our calling? Which place are calling? So I'm going to turn it over to the ref. Brad, bring us into Theology Throwdown. Just like every other Theology Throwdown, guys, we're going to read the verse. Keep it brief. We've been going so long in this series. <laughs> Let the word speak for itself. Okay. Keep it brief. Penalty cards may be given, right? So be ready for that, right? We'll move you on or we'll shut you down. So is everybody clear on these? 
I just like to point yes, out Rev. that that in the rules, like when we wrote the rules together, give him my red card once, right now. Not give him once my red has card. Brad read the phrase. Let's, let's get, get ready <laughs> to Bible. Oh, oh my I've been gosh! Waiting for, I've been waiting for that. That was that's, for you guys. That's how I, I, I do skip. We just because time, anyways, time wise. All right. All right so the it. question, though, okay, here's the question: personally active versus politically active. Which has God called us to? Ryan. So in Daniel six. Verse 4, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Hey, that was, you let it speak for itself. I commend you. Let's see if Jonathan can step up to the plate on this one. I have one line in addition to the verse. All right, mine, all mine, right, has to, all mine has to do with us having to be personally involved in it. We do have to be personally involved. Okay, cards will be ready, though, Jonathan. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, Malachi 3 5. I'm going Old Testament here as well. Uh, then I will draw near to you for judgment. This is God speaking. I will be swift, a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the ad- adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his way the widow and the fatherless against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me says the lord of hosts those that mistreat foreigners in our land immigrants or refugees god says you uh, i view you in the same way as i view those who practice witchcraft and who commit adultery it is of sin so we need to be personally active in taking care of and reaching out and supporting those that are in need in our country and i love that we do these verses i'm going to break the rules Okay, hold the cards. Who's, who's I love that we the do ref? these verses though, because we got we have to be diligent in our mm-hmm. walk. And I think if we don't read the the whole scripture, if we don't, we're not looking through all. It, we can get lost in this stuff in this world. It's muddy, man. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry, Chris. It is the wholeness of scripture. Yes. Well, Ryan gave us a verse about a politician. Daniel was a politician. Yes. He was a great politician. It says he was faithful in his work, and uh, and a politician has to do his job. Jonathan gave us a verse that's much more individual, a personal element, and how we treat the outsiders. I'm trying to give a little balance. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. Do we help them personally? Do we help them politically? This is God speaking to the people about this is what true fasting is. Is not is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Now that verse is those are some large scale terms to break the the to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free. That kind of stuff happens at a political level. Now, you could you could try to go around setting individuals free, but the, the difference that have been made in history, the, the British slave trade was ended after many years of people, most of them Christians, acting politically to make a difference. You can't call it Cardamia. I've got the second part you're, of my getting, verse. you're getting into history with a history oh. teacher and a history major. I haven't and, even finished my verse. And, all right, so, give him the yellow card instead of the red card. Okay, just warning. It's, it's Jonathan a warning. is the history major. I'm the science major. I'm the history <laughs> teacher. Yeah, you're, you're the got history, a history teacher. teacher. Okay. Okay. Let me read verse seven. All right, yellow card. Is it not it. share? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see them naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? That's personal stuff. It says when you see someone in desperate need. You help them. So I think the, the the call there is, of course, both personal and political help. I take back the penalty card. He did a good job with that. Red, with with both both sides. I like it. Okay, we got to close out. We yes. got to close out the uh, 
the theology throwdown. And I'm going to move us forward. We got just a couple minutes left, and I want to talk about the American issue because the American issue is is where this gets a, a little bit messy, and it's true elsewhere as well. But for us, first of all, as I bring up uh, as I bring up the refugee issue. It can bring out the ugly in Christians. I, I'm just going to put that out there. The, the refugee issue can definitely bring out the ugly mm-hmm. in Christians. Why does the immigration issue bring out the nasty side of Christians? What do you guys think? Um, for me, I think that it's a fear of the unknown. We're always afraid of what we don't understand. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that even as Christians, we give in to a spirit of fear because we don't know um, everything that's going on in, in, the, in the lives of somebody, especially if they're coming from a a non-Christian background. If they're uh, a Muslim refugee coming in, we're afraid of, are are they part of ISIS? Are they part of this group? And so we're afraid, but we need to remember 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so that's a big thing, I think, is the reason why it can get ugly is we're just afraid. Yeah. And it's a fear of the unknown. So Ryan, for you as somebody who's actually gotten to know some of and personally connecting with families what's your experience you've got muslim families coming here to america is there a sense for you are you concerned are muslim families coming to to convert america do you think that there's an agenda on their part are they looking to convert your kids do you need to protect your kids from them so it's an interesting sort of narrative that people like to paint and talk about to even presume that refugees wanted to come here it's actually a false assumption. They would rather be in their generational home they inherited, working mm-hmm. their fourth generation business with their friends and family that they've grown up with. That's where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that they aren't grateful for an opportunity to have peace in a new place and start over. But they never wanted this. The, the, their ideal was not to have a war in their country. So... Now that they're here and they didn't come by choice per se, it was circumstances forced them. They're here because as normal human beings, they couldn't live their their normal life in their country. Now they're here. So that that narrative of coming to take over for refugees doesn't quite fit for my experience and from my understanding. Mm. And as there's a... But they're building mosques. Are we okay with them building mosques here? Are we okay with uh, with them gathering together and, and celebrating? You're going and serving Muslims. Are you just equipping them to get back up on their feet so that they can then infiltrate? And, of course, I'm playing devil's advocate here. But how would you respond to that? You're just getting them back up on their feet so then they can actually spread Islam through America. So with uh the way christ modeled ministry of of loving unconditionally people who just showed up for his miracles or his bread and 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 when he knew the right times and so we seek god for wisdom we've never come across anyone personally who um sought to harm us and that does not mean that there's no one out there in that sense and i'm not naive to to how in islam there are people who want to do harm in Buddhism. There are people who want to do harm in the name of Christianity. There are Ku Klux Klan that want to do harm in the name of Christianity. Right. Mm-hmm. So to be, to be objective, but, but we, um, we are engaging those practical needs for one reason to show and communicate Christ. And Jesus said, if I will be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. If you lift high my name, 
the truth will set them free and and so forth. Many verses that point that. So we keep Jesus the main thing. And we need to remember that Jesus, some of his very miracles that he did were to help. Um, you got the Phoenician woman who was not Jewish, They're not a believer. Um, he helped the Roman centurion. He healed yeah. one of his servants. This is not just somebody... among the oppressors of the Jewish yeah, people. Yeah, it wasn't just somebody who came in who might try and spread a false religion. It was their conqueror, mm-hmm. and he was helping them in their time of need. And so if we're going to be like Christ and model Christ's attitude like Ephesians 5 tells us to do, um, then we need to be willing to do the same and help uh, anyone who comes into our land that needs help. Yeah. I think something Ryan said to us before the show even, you know, when we look at this and the the political issues of it and so forth, in many ways, you know, for me to um, say whether somebody should be coming or not coming or whatever it might be, we have people here. Let's love them Mm -hmm. because we're called to love them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's the big thing, I think. Yeah. And I would say I I wouldn't pretend that we're offering a complete political or or personal solution for any of this. And and there's, there's a lot of things that... It's over my head to know the the final answers, but I, I know this: God says, "Love your neighbor." And, Amen. Uh, and, and who is our neighbor? It our was neighbor? even those that were from an oppressed or or a, a hated people group. Yeah, and that was like when in that situation when Jesus was was asked, "Who's my neighbor?" You got to step into the, the that story and understand how challenging, how how out there that was when Jesus said it was the Samaritan. Like, what the Samaritan? <laughs> that guy. The Samaritan for us is whoever that guy is like, that guy helped? That per- Help your neighbor when they're in need. We can't fix the, the entire situation, but God has called us to make a difference, to help our neighbor, to love him in Christ's name. Whatever mm-hmm. the, the situation has brought them here, war has brought them here, crisis, famine, things that happen around the world, we can't control all of that. we got to trust that in God's hand, but we can love our neighbor and we can make a difference. And uh, we can also run out of time. And we're going to have to close up. There's so much more I wanted to talk about. More episodes in the future. All right. We're going to have to bring you guys back. Jonathan Ferguson, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having us. Ryan Woodburn, thank you for being with us again. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you. All right. Brad, thanks for keeping me in line. I try. (laughs) You red carded me. I did. Well, Jonathan did. I did. You're not even the ref. All right. I'm going to close this out. Thanks for joining us on the Soul Podcast. It's a muddy world, so walk by faith and walk in grace. We'll see you on the next show. That's all for the Soul Podcast, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the story. Join us next time as the conversation continues. You can subscribe wherever great podcasts are found, and you can find every episode at soulpodcast.com. That's S-O-L-E podcast.com. The Soul Podcast is a production of Through the Word. If you like this podcast, you're going to love Through the Word with audio guides for every chapter in the Bible. Join us for an epic journey through the entire Bible and understand the Bible in just 10 minutes a day. Get the app free at throughtheword.org. Thanks, everyone. Our producer is Brad Hornback. Audio production by Kira Joy. Video by Michael Kincaid. Audio editing by Daisy Short. On behalf of the whole team at The Soul Podcast, thanks for joining us. You heard the story, now go talk about it. Share a post, tell a friend, start a conversation, and we'll see you in the next one. You gotta hear that story.